This is a Strips Trust podcast. All news and all views expressed in the podcast are those of the contributors, not necessarily those of Morecambe Football Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, I believe me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Right, hello again. It's been a busy week, as per usual, at the Mazuma. Uh, so, welcome to the catch-up here on Shrimpnet uh, with the Chuckle Brothers. That's myself and Joel, and we have, as usual, resumed with two guests this week. Uh, from uh, the returning king of the full kit in the boardroom, we have the lovely James Wakefield showing us a map of what water and the globe behind it. Welcome along, James. Thank you very much indeed, Freeze. And we are also joined by the recently appointed media manager. Apparently, they are like buses. They come, we've never had one until 18 months ago. We're on our third one. Goodness knows how long he's going to last, but good luck and welcome to uh, Dale Pride McDonald. Hello, Dale. Thank you, guys. You've uh, you've kept my lifespan very short there, but thank you. <laughs> hey, you never know. You never know. You just never know, do you? We, we thought Harry would be here forever, and he wasn't. And then before that, we thought, it's just like, oh, don't go there. So there you go. Right, where do we start? The usual thing, we go to last Saturday's game, uh, Peterborough, the posh at home. Uh, I'd, I'd ideally like to gloss over this one because it um, the portents were not good for the simple fact that when, <laughs> when we start a game with everybody saying, hey, we've gone nine unbeaten at home, you know that it's going to be a tough game. And it, so it proved, Joel, didn't it? Yeah, you've just given me a quick, actually, little memory. I remember when uh, in, in the promotion season, we played Colchester away. Um, lead, the League Two official account did a tweet uh, about how Colchester were unbeaten all season. I remember that below all their fans are just going, no, why have you done this? And lo and behold, we wouldn't beat Colchester. But yeah, in terms of the game against Boston on Saturday, I thought I wasn't at the game. At, uh, I wasn't able to make the game. The, the train issues stopped me from being able to get up. But I, I watched it back on Sunday and it, it wasn't great, but I don't think it was quite as bad has got made out. I remember watching it back and thinking we were it was weird. We were kind of putting some nice passes together. We were playing through a little bit of pressure, maybe the first line of Peterborough's press. But then we just make a really daft error. And that that wasn't really contained to any player in particular. It just seemed to be throughout the whole team. We put a couple of nice little passes together and then there'd be somebody who would get a first touch stuck under their foot. Somebody would hit a an easy ball into touch. It was just really, really bizarre. I, I guess, you know, it, it, this is how not just football, but life works. Sometimes you all turn up and you just have a bit of a stinker when you're not quite at it. And against other teams, we might get away with it. But against Peterborough, and the quality that they have, they, they were able to punish us. But at the same time, I think they did show quality in order to look to capitalise on those areas. At the same time, they... You know what? They, they were pretty lucky. The goals. Obviously, the first one, it's deflected. A, it's, I think, yeah, I think, I think Connor's catching that. If it doesn't get deflected, second one, obviously, Connor, it's gone through his legs. That's you know that that that's it's, rarely it's ever going to happen. You you've watched it again. I'm sure you watched it again as well, James. Never a free kick. Oh never. yeah, oh yeah, that's a good point actually. Yeah, never, 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 never a free He won kick. the ball, and their lad ran into him. And yeah, it, a free kick. ridiculous. And then, and then the third one, we, we've given the ball away. We feel a bit daftly, and they've but then they've gone up and they've created a bit of space. But again, it's a deflection. I think until the deflection, I think Ripley's getting a foot to that. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it, it's frustrating. I think heads went a little bit in the first half. I mean, I remember thinking our press got quite ragged. It was yeah. kind of a couple of people were going, and then not nobody else was really stepping up. And I remember it looked like Peterborough had quite an easy time playing through it. Second half, I thought we upped it a bit. I could see that, you know, our forwards were pressing a bit harder. The fields were joining him. Jacob Badeau was coming past the halfway line to kind of back that all up. Because if, if just a couple of people go, then it leaves space in midfield. And that's where, what makes it easy for Peterborough to play through. So you kind of need more people to commit. And that's what we did. We carried a couple of decent little chances. They've not quite gone in. But I think you've got to say that, you know, the damage is done in the first half. And it's disappointing. I'm not quite sure where the, where the, all the errors kind of came from. But 
that just happens sometimes. And unfortunately it happened against the team that were able to put us to the sword. But, you know, as we saw, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a minute, we, we managed to move on and, and grind out a result on Tuesday. Sometimes, James, uh, as we have said, when we've been in a situation where we've won this season, you have a game where everything you hit goes in. Uh, and I think that sort of kind of happened for them. They played pretty well. They looked they looked at, up for it. They looked at it. And I agree absolutely wholehearted with everything Joel said there. I, I, at the time, at halftime, I said that our passing was so poor at times. We were making silly little mistakes. And all they had to do was rush at us. And instead of trying to beat a man or just throw a dummy, we were panicking. And we were bad touch. And it went. And... As we've said, uh, yes, two deflections and a, and a free kick that wasn't. And unfortunately, Connor let that one through. Uh, it was just a bad day at the office. And sometimes you've just got to say, collectively, I, I think the only person who was on it was Faz, really. I think Faz was absolutely fantastic. Uh, did a couple of fantastic tackles. Um, did okay. Uh, had a chance from the corner, which obviously you've touched on there, where he was a little lucky, which should maybe have scored. But... So when it comes down to it, James, you know, it, it, it's an easy one to write off. But at the time, social media went a bit sort of scatty with like, oh, Derek out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which I think was, you know, I can understand why people are annoyed when you pay good money, but it was a bit of an overreaction for me. Ah, uh, I don't know whether I want to draw the ire of everybody by expressing my true opinion here. <laughs> Go on. That's what you're here for. Yeah, I, I got quite annoyed afterwards. I was gonna I was gonna reply and then I thought it doesn't work in the immediate aftermath of it. Um I think Joel's being a bit diplomatic. I think that the reality is that you only notice a mistake when it leads leads to a goal. You don't yeah. notice a mistake when it doesn't. And I think there was a lot of outcome bias displayed on Saturday. Um, and I completely respect everybody having their opinion on a football match, and that is the right of all football fans. But I thought some of the comments made after the game were just wholly unfair. The idea that some people weren't trying was just not true. We won every single dual stat, every single dual strat across the board, on the ground, in the air. We beat Peterborough for one on for, for the 50-50s, all of them across the board. And we should have scored a goal and they shouldn't have scored three. And it, it was two deflections and a free kick that was filled by Connor and it shouldn't have been a free kick. And on any other day, that's one all. That is a one all game. So I don't care if I draw the ire of fans. I would ask them to go back and watch it or ask their, their, their mates who don't support Morecambe to watch it and tell them what they see. Because what was what occurred on Saturday was a bit of outcome bias and annoyance that uh, an unbeaten run had gone and losing 3-0 at home is never enjoyable. No. But it was never a 3-0 a, a loss on performance. And in particular, the, the, the people who had a go at, at, at the, the, uh, the people people's effort and, 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 and yeah. sort of them um, trying not true we won every single 50 50 every 50 50 sat was in Morecambe's favor we just conceded three silly goals yeah I can't argue with that um I was I'd like to say you, you're in a situation now where we are where we are in the league and uh every point is precious and we'd said last week that we would take hopefully take four points from those two games over the coming seven days uh, and we're fortunate enough now to look back and say we took three points from the Port Vale game, which I shall segue into now because it's a lot more positive. But and, and Joel's gone on record and said this, and I think he's exactly right in the fact that watching the game, I don't think I don't think the uh, I don't think the first half was that much different to the Peterborough game, other than it, it was nil nil at half time, was it, Joel? Yep, I go as far as to say it was probably worse. I'm a, I just remember sitting in the stands and thinking, I know it looks like we haven't played football for about two months. But <laughs> halves like that happen. And we were against a Port Vale side who are a little bit more limited than Peterborough. They've just kind of... Peterborough have a bit of an outside chance to play us. I think it's a bit of a distant chance, but they've got an outside chance. Port Vale, they hit 40 points on Saturday. They're, they're coasting at the moment. They've not been in great form. They're coasting. And they didn't really do much. I think they had a they had a bit of a tasty spell in the first ten minutes that we did relatively well to deal with. But I remember just thinking, you know, our passes weren't sticking. Players were kind of. I think it was kind of summed up when uh, Crowley and and Cole and and Stockton. Yeah, they they kind of. I think Cole took a touch and then they kind of 
crossed over each other and they left the ball for each other and ran in different directions. And I think that was just kind of... Keystone Cops. Yeah, it was just kind of representation of that half. And But I do remember thinking, last five minutes of that half, we looked like we were gelling quite nicely and it was kind of coming together a bit. Second half, we come out, switch on for 10 minutes and we get a goal. I mean, arguably, look at the chances that we, the two ch- main chances we had, it should have been Michael Mellon scoring the goal <laughs> rather than Adam Mayer. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, just a little, a little well than Michael Mellon. I think it was it was tough for him coming in at right wing. And I think he, he was out of position and then fortunately he did get moved to centre forward, but it, it was a bit of a tricky time and it's a shame he's missed that chance because that would have been good for his confidence, but more will come and, you know, hopefully be able to tuck him away because he has shown some good talent in, in, in the first brief appearances we've seen from him. But yeah, Adam Mayer's done brilliantly to get that goal and then we've just dug it out. There was a couple of little hairy moments in the 10 minutes after we scored, I thought, but from there, I thought we were, we handled the game pretty well. Um, yeah, I think if we, if it, if that game had been a draw, I don't think we could have had many complaints. And if the Peterborough game had been a draw, I don't think Peterborough could have had many complaints. At the end of the day, we've come out with the win against Port Vale. And I, I think we, yeah, it's it's funny how football works sometimes. And th- this is how it goes. I think a couple of players, I think, deserve a bit of a shout out after, after the Port Vale game. I think Love was really, really good. He went in, he was going in aggressively to some duels really, really well and getting getting on the right side of them. Again, Rawson was absolutely brilliant. He's had a really, really good run of form, just getting his body on the line. I thought Sean Weir, while it wasn't, it wasn't, things weren't quite happening in terms of attacking fluency and stuff. And that, that was the same throughout the whole team. When it's not quite, I think they, what they showed was really good, that when it's not quite working with the nice passing and everything, they got stuck in. Shaw was just everywhere, lobbing himself in front of things, in front of the defence. Uh, we're, the reason they're, they're Garrity misses that chance when Connor, Connor saves it is because Jensen is hammering him back at him and not letting him have time to take the shot. Uh, going forward, Adam Mayer, brilliant again. Uh, and Nahua, he was fantastic, I thought. Uh, the way he, he carries the ball and holds on to it, buys you a little bit of time at the pitch, carries you a few metres, he'll win a free kick, drifts around across the front line, links up play here and there. I think it's a bit of an underrated skill. Some of these skills he has are quite underrated. And he got a, a bit of grief, I remember, after the Peterborough game. I don't think he was that bad at the Peterborough, in the Peterborough game. I thought he was okay and got a, a bit unfairly targeted. And then he's come out and had a bit of, he's had a really strong performance against Port Vale, which is good to see. So, yeah, it's good to see some kind of performances step up a little bit, especially in that second half. And, you know what? Sometimes you do need to win ugly. Sometimes you're not going to turn up and play as well as you do against Bristol, as we did against Bristol Rovers, etc. And, and that's what we've done. And that's really, really pleasing to see that we've got enough about us as a side to be able to kind of grind out a result. Because while Port Vale wouldn't play that well, they're a tough side. They're, they're gritty. They grind out results as well. And we were we managed to do that on, on Tuesday night. And hopefully it just gives a little bit of confidence back into the team, to the players, because they looked a little bit unsure of themselves making the errors so hopefully they've got a bit of that belief back that they had against Bristol Rovers because they're all fantastic players and, and they've got it in them to play really good football it's just sometimes maybe you, you lose your way over a couple of games but hopefully this win will give them a bit of confidence and uh, James the, the portents were there the uh, the game on Boxing Day was <laughs> almost exactly the same sort of game where it was two sides uh, actually, I actually thought the game on Tuesday night was probably a slightly better game than the one on Boxing Day, but you always got that feeling that one goal would separate them, just like the one on Boxing Day, and it's just the reverse of the scoreline, wasn't it? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's that's probably a good a good analysis. Um, you know, it, it was gritty. Um, Port Vale will have gone away counting themselves unlucky, but, you know, we, we scored a good goal, and it, it comes down to that. Um, you know, I can't make the comments about Peterborough and claim that you know it was a it was a classic performance and you know we should have should have, should have scored five on on, on Tuesday night because we should. Um, but it was a good a good a good, a good goal from Adam Mayer and that won it. Um, and it was what what I think also made a big difference is with the last sort of 15, 20 minutes of Port Vale coming forwards, that atmosphere came came alive again in the in the Mizuma and that does make a hell of a difference yeah. um, when you when you when you're backs against the wall and you're trying to trying to protect three point. Um, and I think that that was that was really really in evidence. I think that's that's all I'll say. 
for for every single home and away game for the rest of the season. I mean, we're taking what is effectively a home crowd to Fleetwood this weekend. We have got to get behind the players and make sure they feel like they've got that that twelfth man because it does make a huge difference. Um, and and we aren't a team with huge resources, so let's put a twelfth man in, in the stadium every time. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good result on on Tuesday night. Um, if not, a, you know, a, a, a performance that deserves a lot more than the one goal. And uh, not not a bad starting week for you, Dale. You you turn up, you turn up, and we get uh, we get a one nil win. All right, it was a bit a bit you know they hit the bar and had a couple of chances. Connor made a couple of good saves, I thought as well. I think Connor deserves a mention because he made a couple of pretty decent saves. But as you said, you know uh, the defense played pretty well, closed them down. But what were your first impressions there, Dale? I probably viewed it a wee bit slightly differently to to James and Joel. Um, I thought the first 20, 25 minutes was absolutely frenetic. Um, I don't think either team really impacted the other, um, if I'm being honest. I felt it was a wee bit blow for blow. I felt, and, and I said this after the game, I felt Morecambe were a final pass or a clean pass away on four or five occasions from having a right good opportunity and on goal. Um, and it was probably that one where... If you can get that little bit of finesse pass in the final third, then that that final pass on that four or five occasions, you've then got a sight of goal. Um, I also disagree that I think Port Vale can can feel hard done by to to go away with nothing because I felt they had a, a fair chunk of the possession without really having nine or ten clear cut opportunities at goal. I felt they had four or five, um, but I didn't think that they they really had a, a big dig um on the on the target. I felt the the Morecambe defence did brilliant, uh, especially in the last 10, 15 minutes when it's it's long ball central. Um but I, I also I'm I'm a great believer in simplifying it and saying that to be a Morecambe in League One, the same as at times it was to be a Ross County in the Premier League, it's about defending your box and being effective in the opposition's box. And that's what I felt Morecambe were on Tuesday night. I really enjoyed the game. I have to say that um, it was it was shades of seeing the whites of players' eyes from the stand because you could see that both players were just going hammer and tong for for ninety minutes, and both teams wanted to win a game of football. But I I don't think we can discredit the the part that Morecambe play in the game. Um, and I also just want to loop that back to the the Peterborough game on, on Saturday because I watched the highlights of the Peterborough game um, and having been in relegation battles with Ross County, you can have those days where things just go completely against you, not for the want of trying, um, you know, and, and you come away from a game, I've been involved in games where you come away having played brilliantly and played the opposition off the park, but you take nothing from the game because they've had three really fortuitous goals or three fortuitous strikes that on another given day, either go wide or are saved. So I, I'm I'm probably trying to look at it a wee bit more glass half full, if I'm being honest. Um, and I certainly feel, coming away from the game on Tuesday night, I, I felt a real buzz because I think I think there's enough there to be really, really excited about, um, especially in a, a point I made to Derek after the game was, you look at the average age and the age of of some of what you call the key players in that in that Morecambe squad, they're doing brilliant in League One because League One's a hard shift to to go and ply your trade at such a young age. You look at the spine of the team; the spine of the team's really really young. Um, and again, I think that gives supporters so much to be excited about because you're then looking at it. And Morecambe fans won't want won't hear me say this, but I think you look at Adam Mayer now as one of your biggest sellable assets at the football club. And you're saying, you know, he, he he's somebody that could go on and have a right good career, but has such a vital part to play at this football club. And I think that, you know, coming in as head of medium communications, day two in the role and watching that game, I'm sitting there thinking that this, this is a media dream because you've got a young squad that are going out there and proving themselves against some big, big clubs in this division and and right now proving them proving themselves to be worthy of being at this level. What well, I love about that is that I've just been out optimisted by our new head <laughs> of media and communications. So yeah, I know, fantastic. Yeah. Me, me, is yours. Yeah, me and Jason. On, and I will love to love to hear you. 
Me and Jay's get pelters for being too optimistic, but yes. <laughs> yeah, the, only thing I'll, the only thing I'll say about that is he, Dale's coming at, coming at it with fresh eyes, isn't he? Mm. He's coming at it with fresh eyes from Scotland. Mm. And all of a sudden, he's, he sees a game, he watches the Peterborough highlight, highlights, and you've seen it and thought, well, actually, yeah, you know, there's there's quite a bit going on here. And there is. I suppose we get quite jaundiced because we've been watching it you know, this team sort of pulled together and then all the signings in January and we're still sort of taking, I'm not taking Adam Mayer for granted, not at all. You know, he came on at, came on at Sheffield Wednesday and, and did really, really well, you know, and, and played pretty well Saturday and did okay. You know, did really well, obviously scoring that goal the other night. And for 18, he's, he's, he's decision-making. He's, he's not even 18 yet. He's 17. Doesn't turn 18 till August. I know. He's coming up yet, but his decision-making is absolutely superb. And sometimes, and I've said this before on the podcast, sometimes that's that's what... It, and I always hark back to Tom Barkhazen, who's had a great career, now finishes off at Derby, but earning decent money. We signed Tom as a, a fullback from Blackpool, and he was quick. He had two good feet. He was brilliant in the air. He could trap it from anywhere and he could finish. And when Preston signed him, obviously I was working in Preston at the time, and people said to me, what's he like? I said, he needs coaching, his decision-making, because he gives it when he should take it and dribbles when he should give it. And I said, once you've coached that into him, he'll be brilliant. And that's exactly what Adam May has got. He's got that decision-making already. I've seen him make, make probably two mistakes in, in any game, in, well, in, in the entirety of his games, he makes the right decisions and you cannot coach that. You've got to coach it and get old and get used to doing it. And then you've got to be reminded. And I know that, you know, Tom won't mind me saying that. And Gary Thompson was another one from our, uh, our old days. He went on to have a fine, fine career, uh, getting into the championship with Scunthorpe and scoring at Tottenham and blah, blah, blah for Bradford City and getting to Wembley. He had a great career. But Tom will be the first to tell you that he only started to drop with him when he was about mid-twenties. Well, as you've said, James, Adam Mayer, 17. So you're quite right, Dale. He will be a very, very saleable asset. And we've said this from the start. There are people already looking at him. Uh, and, you know, I can't blame him because it's the right thing to do. Can, can, I, just I, will, jump, can I, will. I just jump in on that one? Um, oh. I, I'm, I'm going to almost... Uh, when, when you're saying about the glass half full bit there and, and it all relates in for me, I was in a position at the start of last season when we were, when we were up at Ross County and Malky Mackay had come in as manager, big turnover of players and you're trying to find a, a new way of playing and a new way of adapting. And we went the first 10 games in the league without a victory. And the I think the most important part in football is football is such an impulsive place to be at times. And it's a very, very intense place to be at times. And I think the more that you can keep the calm and 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 breathe is the word I would use. The more you can breathe, I think that you then begin to see the shoots because again you're rooted to the bottom of the table after um, after ten games. We then went on and finished in the top six in the league and we're a point away from getting into European competition. So again, it it just shows how how fickle football is. And when you're touching on the Adam Mayer one, we had a, a young boy at Ross County when I walked through the door called uh, called Ross Stewart, who we sold on to Sunderland. And R Ross Stewart was somebody, right, he didn't come through the Ross County Academy, but these players need a platform. They need a club where they feel loved, that they can go out and deliver, and then they, then you move them on. Um, and that is the, the cycle of football. You know, so I think with the, with the Adam Mayer one, the bit that took me back as well with him was when he came to do his post-match uh, press conference as well. And he's a really grounded, humble young man. And again, during my time in football, I've been involved in football for 14 years, 15 years. I've met young people that aren't that that humble and, and that grounded. And I, I was taken aback by how well he spoke, how well he conducted himself. And I know he's probably comfortable because he knows the guys on the other side of the microphones, but I still think that plays a huge part in in your makeup and your character. I agree with that, and I, you know the, the shades of, of Carlos in 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 the way that he plays, um, and yet Carlos wasn't playing like that at seventeen. Didn't no. have that power. He looked a bit like a, 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 a you know a baby deer on ice at times um, yeah. at, at that age. But Adam Mayer looks like an adult. He plays like an adult, and he sounds like an adult. Um, so yeah, let's not let's not. Let's not hex him. But it's um, it's a hell of a start for a young player. I'll just I'll I'll just I, I'll just pick you on one thing, Dale. 
that you said, you, you, I know it was only your second day, but you said, yeah, Morecambe, 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 three times. You are allowed to say we now. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to get used to that. I got a row at Ross County in my last week for, for calling it Ross County and not saying we are at Ross County. So I'm still in that middle ground to try to no, find out I, where I, I sit right that. now. I get, I get that, but I thought, now's the, now's the time. You, you, you've, you're nearly at the end of your first week. Next Monday, it's we. <laughs> Uh, just want to talk about the, any updates on Cole, James, because obviously, worryingly, he came off. But even more worryingly, we actually played better without him for about 20 minutes. But um, I, I'm, I'm, you know, segueing into the, the sort of next segment, we're going to talk about Fleetwood. And obviously, the memories come flooding back from Highbury last season when we scored in the 92nd minute from the halfway line, and that was Cole. So is there any news on Cole? I have genuinely not asked, and I'm trying very hard to behave myself and not meddle in Derek and send him too many many messages. So Dale might know more than I do. But I haven't asked. I haven't genuinely haven't asked because I'm trying to leave, leave Derek to get on with his job. Dale? I imagine it's a it's a it's a top secret thing. And well, not, I, but I, you know, uh, the thing is, I've seen a couple of people this week, and they said, "Oh, what's happening with Cole?" I said, "I don't know. I'll ask." Feel free to answer it as you want. Keep your, keep your nose clean. If, say, if, if I knew, I wouldn't say. We've super glued his leg back on. He should be all right for a week, Saturday, whatever. It doesn't matter. I've asked. Dale? Uh, to be fair, I've struggled to get out of the confines of this office today, so I, I couldn't say. Are you still locked in there? I'm, I'm still <laughs> locked in the office right now, yeah. I was in here at 7 o'clock this morning. I'm still here at half eight at night, so uh, we're doing well. We switch it lights off when you switch it Wi-Fi off soon. I know. Just, so, yeah, just a quick would... word on, yeah, just oh. a quick word on Cole and, and just, it did seem to pick up a little bit after, I think, but with Cole, I think it looked like he was carrying that injury for about 10 or 15 minutes before he went off. So, you know, there was, there was a few loose touches and I think he was probably carrying that injury. And then also, I think, we obviously we started with Mellon on the right wing, and I, and I see the reasons why we did that. We want to give him a bit of a shot on the side. Cole's playing centre forward, and I think it, it it gives that option. He's got that kind of striker's nose, hasn't he, Mellon? So we'll come a little bit close to Cole if we go direct. Obviously, it hasn't quite worked out because you've got defensive responsibilities on the on the wing, and when you're a 19 year old striker who's never played on the wing, it's it's going to be difficult covering those. So I think that's probably why. Things worked out a bit better when Mellon went central, more just because Cole was carrying injury. Mellon went into a position he's more familiar in, and then obviously we get Nahua in on the right wing, who is familiar as a right winger, and he kind of knows knows the places to stand in and all that kind of boring stuff. I like, that was very technical. He knows the places to stand, like oh, bus stop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Stop. Stop edge of the box across might come in, yeah. Like it, <laughs> so we are, we are at Highbury on Saturday. Fantastic 1100 sellout, uh, and it's full of <laughs> social media's been full of people since uh, about Wednesday saying, Uh, anybody, anybody get the spare tickets because I didn't think mm. it'd sell out. And it's like, Well, you should have bought one while you could. And I do feel sorry for people because there are you know, there are people there who are like, Have I season ticket? All right, I've missed an away game yet. And now it's like, Oops, well, you've got to buy them when you can get them. But great that we're taking the eleven hundred there, Joel. No, yeah, it's going to be really good. I think, I think like James has alluded to already, it's kind of we could make it a little bit like a kind of a full home support going. And I was speaking to somebody earlier today, and I, I, it was Gabe Sutton actually, and he was saying, you know, once you've once you've got a one thousand one hundred people crammed into that away end, when it's full, it just full full stands are just so much louder than kind of half eighteen ones. They're being crammed into there, and really, it's going to really make a really big rally. Hopefully, we can really get the right team behind us. It's a short market talk. I think, I think, I think, I think, I think that's already, already right. You know, my those last kind of twenty minutes against Port Vale, the, the fans really picked up. Um, it did feel. I remember sitting in the stand and just thinking, yeah, there's a bit of an energy that's kind of. It feels like it's getting behind the players, and hopefully, we can do the same against Fleetwood on Saturday. And uh, the the home game, uh, not the most exciting game in the world, James. But we held our own. But they looked quite a decent side. They kept it really, really well, didn't they? And I know they've drawn a lot of games, uh, but they look they looked a decent side under Scott Brown, Fleetwood. Yeah, yeah, they they, they do, um, and they've they spent a lot as well. So they've you know they've, it's not it's not a small budget team anymore. Um, and so yeah, I think under Scott Brown with the money they spent, they're a, they're they're a, they're a decent team. Not they're not a team we can't beat though. 
Yeah, Jaden Stockley and Jack, Jack Marriott arriving in the January transfer window to accompany uh, our prodigal son in uh, in the, the wonderful, wonderful uh, scorer of the Wembley penalty. Uh, they've got they've got some danger up front there. It's it's going to be a challenge, isn't it? Because uh, I mean, thankfully they did us a favour by uh, beating Cambridge late on, which was a good result for us, wasn't it? Yeah, they did. Yeah. And did you see the chance that Cambridge missed? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh. And the header, he hit, he hit the bar with the header as well. Well, actually, no, he hit the the the, the kind of cross, the bit, yeah, yeah the, the the cross section of the post and bar yeah. about ten minutes before uh, about before Fleetwood got that winner as well. So, was it? Almost. I find myself torn in games like that because I like Cambridge, they're a good club, and I like I like Accrington, for example, as a, from a club perspective. But you do find yourself, you know, for, for like against every like being in your body, willing Fleetwood to win against Cambridge, which which is which is wrong but right in the same in the same breath. But it's really I, I like Accrington as well, as you found out when I'm wearing this top that my wife bought me for my birthday, and I suddenly realised when I'm sat looking at myself on air, thinking, "Oh my god, it looks like an Accrington shirt." It's not. There's no badge. Look, there's no badge. It's just added up. Quick word, and by the way, on Carlos at Fleetwood, uh, I, I didn't notice he's got three yellow cards in his last three games. So I wonder if he was trying to get a, this is a suspension uh, to not play against good. us. But uh, I've, <laughs> I've checked that the gear is suspended, sadly. So he, we may have to face him. I am. Um, I am. Uh, I'm. I'm coming clean now. I'm coming clean in the fact that I went to buy tickets for everybody else, and I am not going on Saturday. Because um, something's come up. Family always comes first, as you know, uh, and uh, we've got the grandkids. Because uh, we're, we're letting uh, we're letting family go for a, a nice. I can't, I can't say too much because they quite often listen to the podcast and it's a surprise. But they're going somewhere on Saturday, so we're looking after the kids. Uh, and another mate of mine rang me and said, "Oh, uh, I said Do you want a ticket?" And he said, "No, no, I'm not going." And I said, "Why are you not going?" And he went. I don't think I can sully the memory of Cole's goal last year. It's never going to get better than that. And said, so I'm not going to Fleetwood ever again. And I'm like, that's a big claim, that. I said, if we play him next season and we're going for promotion and it's the last game of the season, he went, yeah, I might review it then. But, yeah, it's um, it was a fantastic memory last season. Again, we, we, we didn't quite sell out, but we took about 1,000 to Fleetwood last season. Um and it was, I think Callum Jones scored with a, a free kick, didn't he? It was his only goal for Morecambe. And then obviously they equalised. And then they had quite a few chances. I know Antonio O'Connor cleared off the line and played pretty well on the day. And then we come to the 92nd minute and uh, Cole scores that goal and Barry Bannon wins goal of the season. Mm-hmm. What's that about? Come on. That, that By the way, that, this just shows how ludicrous some of the... Uh... That, the EFL goal, uh, that goal wasn't even in the shortlist for the top three. It was his Wimbledon goal that was in the shortlist because they did it off goal of the, what had been voted goal of the month and uh, Ipswich fans had been weird and and kind of all uh, basically spammed the vote and voted for... Uh, ultimately, I, I mean, it was a very lovely... Uh, it was a good goal. It was a very lovely chip from... I can't remember what he's called. I think, I think, it's, I think it's at Stoner. Anyway, but it was a very lovely chip, but there was obviously absolutely no, not a patch on Stockton's goal. But they, yeah, they all kind of spammed the EFL Twitter account and... Not that I'm still annoyed about it. No, 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 no. I'm with you on that one because I was I had an argument with the... I was on that thread on Twitter and two Ipswich fans were arguing with me saying, well, well, you know, Keeper was miles off his line. It was an easy goal. And, I, and, the, and the Ipswich lad, I went, Keeper was on the penalty spot. It was just a chip. For yours, what are you talking about? And they wouldn't accept it, so we, we had to agree to disagree in the end. But anybody but, who any, anybody who criticises that goal has clearly never tried to take anything near a goal kick in football. No, it's exactly. really hard to kick a ball that far like, <laughs> with that much power. So, yeah. Anyway, anyway, but, I'll let it go. Uh, I, well, I don't expect the same. Uh, obviously, you'd be foolish to expect the same, but we do need the points. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be fun and games for you. A Lancashire Derby is your first away game, Dale. I'm really looking forward to it, I have to say. Um, I think, obviously, you, you watch them, you always watch Scottish managers from afar and Scottish players from afar when when they move out of out of Scotland. Um, the, the interesting one for me is the Scott Brown one because um, Scott, his last season at Celtic as a player, um, was, wasn't was great. 
Um, you know, the, the Celtic weren't in a great place before Ange Postacoglu came in. Um, in fact, we uh, Ross County, sorry, had beaten them on two occasions. Um, oh, he said we. I like that. That's good. That's good. And, That's history. Uh, That's good. And yeah. then, uh, and then, obviously, he left. Um, he left Celtic to go to Aberdeen as assistant player, assistant manager to Stephen Glass. That was a really challenging time, and I think Scott would have learned a lot from that period. And I think he's probably taken a lot of that learnings into his management at Fleetwood. Um, but again, I have to agree with James. I think he's probably had a little bit more resource available than he may have expected when he walked through the door on day one. You know, I, I look at the calibre of the player he's been able to bring into the football club and you're going, it's not really a bad situation to be in. Um, and, you know, equal to that, I think it's set up to be a great game in terms of, I think there's a lot at stake for both clubs. Um, you know, in terms of the bragging rights, first of all, um, but I also think the individual battles as well. I always think in the derby, players want to come away from it winning their individual battles. Um, and I, I just think it, it, it's so teed up to be a really, really good game. I think the bit that you've nailed in the head is the travelling support on, on Saturday is going to be absolutely massive. Um, and I think it's always, you know, we, every one of us on this, on this uh, podcast are football fans and there's nothing better than seeing your team having a full backing away from home. It, it makes for a great day out whether you're you're eight years old or 80 years old. So I, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think the the dynamic of the game will be probably not too dissimilar from, from Tuesday night. Probably I think the, the frenetic first 20, 25 minutes might last a wee bit longer. Um, but I, 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 for me, I just look at it and I think, you know, this is, if you can't get G'd up and excited for this, you, you shouldn't be watching football. I did, I did a bit of um, daft research, which is my want to do. And March the 27th, 1989, was a bank holiday Monday. We played Fleetwood at Highbury. We won 2-1. The crowd was 272. And there was about, 50, about 40, 50 from Morecambe, because I was there. <laughs> That's how far both clubs have come. And that tells you a lot because it's 1989. Yes, I know. How old were you? Yeah, don't tell me, Joel, you weren't born. I know. But yeah, I was, uh, I was eight years old. I was alive. James, you know, he was in that team. 1989, we had Ian Kane, Steve. That'd be Ian Kane. It won't have been. Exactly. Yeah. So th this is this is your, when you were a young person, it's your era. It was my era as well, obviously. You know, I was, at the time, I was in my late, sort of, well, mid 20s. Uh, and we decided to go uh, on on ad hoc on the Monday. Went to Tootle Round Blackpool and then went to the game. And I just looked it up. We won two on two hundred and seventy odd was the crowd. And I'm thinking we're taking eleven hundred. That is, and yes, it's easy to say. You know they have been well funded. Um, Mr. Pilly's done the right thing by them. You know, and he's always funded them properly. Um, they've always been. Better funded. I remember when they came and did us 4-0 at the as the Globe as it was then when they had Big John Parkin playing and they were up for promotion as usual and we finished like fourth, fifth from bottom of League Two and they brought six or seven hundred then. They've never brought anything like that since because they were on a roll then, just a bit like the Wrexham thing at the moment, you know, they were taking hundreds and hundreds everywhere and beating everybody out of sight and obviously they've settled in League One. They're an established League One club now I'd love to be in their situation with their budget, but we it, it's something that we can only aspire to. But when I look back at where both teams have come from and Accrington, Accrington's exactly the same. Um, and yes, Lancashire rivals, but I, I don't I don't hate Accrington and I don't hate Fleetwood. I'd like to beat them on Saturday because I think we need the points, but I've got the ultimate respect for them as a club because they've done what we've done and Accrington have done We've done what Accrington have done, and I think there's a lot of a lot of um, common ground there, James, isn't there? Yeah, there is a fair amount of common ground. I think there's probably a bit more common ground between us and Aki, just yeah. because we're we're trying to uh, we're trying to run a sustainable club and we're trying to um, operate within our means, which is by no means easy, given the cost of living crisis and the bills rising and the fact that the football pyramid without an independent regulator is is a bit of a gamble. Um, but still, respect to, to Fleetwood, um, even even with money being pumped in, it's not easy being a small club in, in League One at this level. 
Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's a bit of a difference between Morecambe and Aki in one category and Fleetwood in another. Um, you know, Morecambe and Accrington haven't put money into player budgets beyond what they felt they could afford at the beginning of each season. And that, to me, is, 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 is worth more than, than, than bought success or, or bought points. Um, I won't, though, criticise Fleetwood because it's damn sight more difficult being Fleetwood in League One than it is being a much bigger club. So credit to all sport clubs that make, make it in League One. And that, that, that segues me very nicely into my next topic, which you know is obviously uh, the news that's come out over the last sort of 24 hours with the uh, the government confirming the appointment of a regulator for football, which obviously there's been a massive up in arms from, as you'd expect, from the Premier League because... It does mention in one of the things they want to do, they want to make sure that the money's shared out fairly. It doesn't say evenly, it says fairly. Um, and so obviously the Premier League representatives are all up in arms. They're like, we don't need a regulator. They probably don't. But the, the one fact that came out, which I double-checked and was right, that since the formation of the Premier League in 1992, 64 clubs have gone into administration. 64 clubs have gone into administration. You cannot tell me that the game's run correctly if 64 clubs have gone into receivership. That is that is not right. So it's obviously the right time for it, James. Uh, and it's something that you, you're obviously very pleased about. Yeah, I'm thrilled about it. I, I think it's overdue. Um, and, and to be honest, when, um, when, uh, when Mrs Truss... When Quasi Quartin came into government, I was genuinely fearful it was going to get chucked out because it was precisely the sort of thing that they they weren't um, in any way in favour of. So I'm quite pleased about that turnaround as well because um, yeah, this has come back onto the agenda and is now is now looking like it's going to come into place, which is fantastic. A couple of other random stats for you, but um, back at the, at the formation of the Premier League, the Premier League was obviously or the, the first division as was that became the Premier League. Obviously, got the lion's share of the money. But at that point, it was in the 50s. I think it was 57%. Now it's 83% of the money goes into the Premier League. And if you go and drop down into League Two, league, um, league two so Division 4, 1.4% of the money in the Pyramid goes to clubs in Division 4, like in League, league Two. That's that's just, it's just a nonsense. So it's it's high time this happened. Um, I'm not too bothered about how it affects the clubs at the very top of the game because they could share out a very tiny amount of their income and make the rest of the pyramid sustainable and it wouldn't make any difference to their competitiveness or how they can compete for players in Europe because they're so far ahead of Spain and Germany and Italy that just you know they could all give a percentage away and the rest of the pyramid will be more secure but it is it is high time this happened and the best thing about this is there's loads of aims in this in this 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 this, this review um, and in, 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 in the, the implementation of a regulator. But the two fundamental aims, the first is club sustainability, which is something that the likes of us and, and Aki and Cambridge have been banging on about um, in our own little ways for years. And the second one is systemic stability. So the, the pyramid itself being a stable system. Now, yeah. they are two massively laudable goals. You can't argue with those. And then the third one's also a wonderful one. It's club heritage. Like, you know, so if, if if all of the other things that encompasses and it does encompass a huge amount of stuff, but if they achieve that, those three things, club sustainability, systemic stability and club heritage, the game's a better one. It's just a better game of football. I agree. And and a, and a couple of things I want to touch on, obviously, the uh, the main point that's really, really sort of paramount to us, obviously, preventing repeat of financial failings. Uh, seen at, at clubs. Well, obviously, Berry and Macclesfield. We both fully, we're all fully aware of what happened there, and it's obviously and introduced the most stringent uh, owner director test to protect clubs and fans. Now that is particularly pertinent with the the situation that we're going through, Joel, isn't it? Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think we could probably allude to the uh, the statement that the EFL put out regarding ourselves on Friday. Uh, I know some people have, I know, I think the first paragraph from it does come across a bit jarring, but I think the overall thing that we can take from the statement is that what they're trying to say is that they are taking this seriously and that they're not going to let this slide without doing some proper due diligence. And that overall for me is a positive with what they've come out and said. And then like like we're talking about now with the, the independent regulator, 
any more diligence and any more kind of enforcement and making sure that clubs don't get in situations like Barry have been when the due diligence hasn't been done and, and, and somebody with obviously no money has gone through and owned the club. I think that the more layers of protection that can be provided for clubs, the better. I like, I like your uh, your beautiful tiptoe around the the first the first paragraph may have been jarring, and I was I I, I just I burst out laughing when I read it because I was like, well, jarring is absolutely true. But yeah, it, I, then... I think. Go on. Go on. Sorry, I think yeah, I think it came across that they were having the pop at fans and Twitter accounts, but I don't think they were. I think they no, were no. trying to kind of step away. They don't want to have a go directly at any no. certain publications, but I think the point they were trying to make was certain publications have maybe incorrectly indicated that the move was all but done, uh, shouldn't maybe have uh, rushed to post yes. that. Yeah, you're right. And that's, that's exactly true. But it's it's uh, something that, that I've touched on in everyday life, in the fact that we're, uh, we're in a situation where, um, and I said it a couple of weeks ago, the Advertising Standards Authority are advertising on all radio stations at the moment, saying that, Every advert you hear needs to be checked for being legal, decent, honest, and truthful, which is not something that goes on in, in the Houses of Parliament or uh, with day-to-day -day journalism in the red tops. Uh, and the standards should be right across the board for me. And that's that's where it that's where it was let down because um, you know, and I, I do take your point, Joel, that that EFL's statement was actually probably aimed at that, but it did it got my back up because I was just thinking, well, you know. It, the thing that tickled me was that I, your track record on this is absolutely bleeding awful. So to come out and say that would like, and then follow it up with, well, trusted, we are going to do this properly. It's like, well, you know, it's the first time, it's not the first time you've said this and you've got it wrong so many times that it's disappointing, but I get that. So uh, you, you've, you've, you've started with us, Dale, this week, and I do say we <laughs> again, you started with us, Dale, this week. Uh, uh, and obviously there's a lot going on off the field as well as on um uh, you, i presume you knew that yeah i didn't know that yeah. so from our point of view uh again looking from the outside in are you thinking uh oh are you thinking well you never know somebody might come in and splash i i oh by the way i bought a, I bought a lottery ticket on tuesday night and i haven't checked it yet it was euro millions i could be 70 78 million up but you know i haven't checked it yet so so what do you think dale from the outside in you gave us the footballing what about the club listen i think I think in relation to the the stuff that's come out today, I think it. I think a lot of it stems back to COVID. If I'm being perfectly honest, I think, you know, having been involved in in high level decision making back in 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 COVID when I was up at Ross County, I think there that every league in every world and every organisation is is looking for not necessarily reform but review how things are operating. Um, I think when we were into COVID and every club's instantly put into a lockdown and football gets stopped and you're, you're dealing necessarily with rules back from 1929 or 1800s um, when football was a completely different beast to what it is today. Um, and I think, I'm a, again, this is a personal thing. I'm a great believer in being proactive rather than reactive. I think this is reactive, but I think it still sends out the right message um, in terms of not shying away from reviewing things and, and looking at things and, and listen, it's going to please some people, it's not going to please other people but um, I think in the grand scheme of things we we sit in a world now where you can't do right for doing wrong you know and, and that is in every facet of every business let alone football um, where you know whether you're a, a grocer or whether you're a, a petrol station, whether you're a football club um, we live in a society now that um, we're so so open to interpretation and opinion that trying to do the right thing is always going to come with a negative consequence. The day of doing the right, feeling like you're doing the right thing and it being the right thing is gone. Um, but I have to say, in terms of in terms of Morgan Football Club, my my view on the football club is that this has been a fantastic opportunity for me personally and. You know, I first had conversations with Ben and, and Charlie 20 months ago. Um, so it's it's almost two years ago. Um, and m my passion for this football club never changed. We have a, a fantastic stadium here. Uh, I believe we've got a fantastic manager of the football club. And 
I, I look at the way I've been welcomed in the past uh, few days. I've seldom had a warmer welcome um, than I've had here. But the bit, and I touched on it in my press release, was the journey that this football club's been on in the last 25, 27 years under you know, Jim Harvey, Sammy McElroy, um, Jim Bentley and, and Derek. I think you've got to sit back and acknowledge the journey. And whatever happens going forward, the the period of transition at this football club has been incredible. Again, it, it, it was probably why it resonated with me was the journey that Ross County had had over the last 25 years was very, very similar. Um, and, you know, when you when you when you come to football clubs like Morecambe, you know, when I walk in the door, is is this the the perfect finished article? No. But do you know what? It's probably never going to be. And I don't think any amount of investment, I don't think any amount of people can come in and do that. I think all you can do is strive to be the best you can be. And again, I related back to my point at the very beginning. We live in a world now where you're never going to be the, you're never going to complete it and tick the box because we live in a society that dictates that you can't tick boxes anymore and you can't be fully getting everything right all the time. You you are going to frustrate people. You are going to going to uh, say or do things that that people might not like. But this football club, for me, I am delighted to be part of Morecambe Football Club. I'm excited for what lies ahead. And for for me, I also have to probably dedicate a huge amount of gratitude to Matt Smith, um, who has been a tremendous anchor at this football club for a long period of time, who is a fantastic young man who's going to have a big, big career in this industry. Um, but when when you look at everything that you want to the dots that you want to join up when you join a football club for me they all join up and come into Morecambe Football Club and uh, you know over the past couple of days I've been trying to find a tracksuit that fits but there was nothing better than standing in front of the mirror this morning putting on the putting on the tracksuit top and seeing the badge in the mirror I, I really it, it gave me a big bit of excitement this morning uh, putting on the tracksuit for the first time and and being able to come into your work feeling like you're you're part of something exciting that's moving forward. If you think that's good, wait till you've had the chicken and ham pie. Did that? That, <laughs> that, was, that. that was a Tuesday night special. Oh, uh, go on then. What was that with peas and gravy? No, I, I don't. I, I'm sorry. That when when Matt had his peas and gravy with his, that almost put me off altogether. Um, nah, peas and mashy peas and gravy. No, thank you. I'll, I'll just. Yeah, you're, you're not. Yeah. Oh, you. Come on. Yeah, you, you're in. You're in the northwest of England. You're in Lancashire. There's, you want to have something moist. I, I was I was really disappointed that there was no uh, just basic mince pies there. I I, I was uh, oh, I'm, yeah, a plain, I'm a very plain character. Scotch, oh yeah, you'll you, be having uh, neeps and tatty pies next week. Yeah, haggis neeps and tatty pies or or haggis pies or venison pies. I, I'm all in for that. We uh, we a few years ago, well, a few years ago, it's about 2007. Quite a few of us went up to uh, Christie Park at Huntley. Yeah. And it was a game. It was a game when we were playing Rotherham at home. It's when John Newby got his hat trick, and but fifteen of us went up in a minibus and missed that game and went to see Huntley, who incidentally got dicked six nil by Keith. And I, I was laugh. I was laugh at that because I was like, one bloke beat him six nil. It was called Keith. Cammy Keith was his name. Yeah, we went. <laughs> yeah, he got a double hat trick. So. But we, the the one thing that was good was the pies at Huntley were absolutely excellent, absolutely beautiful. And there's a great ground, great ground. The, the local the local butcher turned up at the hotel, and it turned out the local butcher was the chairman. And there was fifteen of us, and he found out we were coming, and he got us a haggis each. Bless him. So that we got a warm welcome there. But to this day, one get one guy who didn't want to make go was our our match day announcer Mark, who said, mm-hmm. "I'm not going because I'm doing the match day announcing." Are you mad? We've got a home game. And he now says, hey, John Newby's actually, you missed that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of them things. Anyway, so a little bit of a chat about you, Dale. So what what were you doing before you were, were you the same guy at Ross County? Did you start in uh, non-league or what happened? Uh, my, my association goes back uh, 15 years at this point. Um, funnily enough, the kit man at Ross County now was the, the first manager I ever worked for. I was 13, 14 at the time. 
um, and I was filling the water bottles and doing helping with the kit and all that. And eventually, uh, that was at Broader Rangers in the Highland League, so we used to play Huntley Keith. Uh, and eventually, I grew up through that. Um, my experience, I, I knew um, very, very, when I was young, that I wanted to explore coaching, whether it was going to be sustainable or not, I didn't know. Um, I went and did uh, my badges and um, ended up going out to America and coaching for a, a period of time. Really, really enjoyed it. And then I came back to Broad and I was head of youth for four and a half, five years, um, leading the under-20 side and the, the under-17 team um, before I, I joined Ross County, I'll be honest. It didn't end great for me at Broad at the time. Um, it was it was a change in, in culture at the football club at the time, and and it was my local team. That was where I was brought up was Broad, and uh, personally it hit me hard. And I had no intention when I left Broad of going back into football, but the the chairman at Ross County I knew had gone back in to work at his company full time, and he came through to the office one day, Dale. I think you should go and work at Ross County. Okay, chairman, let's do that. Um, and then four years later, uh. You're moving on, getting a handshake from him, saying thank you and wishing you all the best at Morecambe. So, um, listen, I I believe I've come through football probably the traditional way from the bottom up, but uh, I'm really, really grateful for everyone that's played a part in my journey. Um, I've worked with some fantastic people, um, worked with some phenomenal people at, at Ross County. Stephen Ferguson, the chief executive, who was obviously uh, friends with Derek. He was Derek's assistant manager at Ross County. Um, Stephen Ferguson was was a huge source of support for me as a as a friend and a colleague, um, and I have to mention Stuart Kettlewell, who's just been named the Motherwell manager today, uh, is a close personal friend. But he was brilliant for me at Broda and then into into Ross County, and Malky Mackay, who is the manager now. Malky was was absolutely tremendous for me from day one, um, and I, I'm just grateful for all the people that. That have helped shape my journey and and listen this now comes on to the next stage what does what does the shaping of the next period of time look like and you know i'm sure it'll be uh, there's a lot of experiences out there for me to have with this wonderful football club and uh you know i, I just i've got such a buzz in my in my belly to get going um you know i'm, I'm sitting here this morning going through stuff and you you just want to get your teeth sunk into it straight away and it, it's it's an exciting time for the football club i think you know, keep, staying in League One last season was an incredible achievement. I think to stay in League One again this season will be an even bigger achievement. Um, but this this is a fantastic place to be. The, I think the northwest of England is a fantastic place to be uh, if you're a football fan. So I think um, I think from my perspective, it's the right choice at the right time with a with absolutely the right club. So presumably you're uh, you've moved. I have. I have moved. Um, we. Um, my last game with, with Ross County was on Saturday last weekend against St Mirren and Paisley and the car was packed up on the Friday night and uh, after the full-time whistle uh, in Paisley I made my emotional goodbyes uh, at the stadium and drove straight down to Morecambe after the game and moved into my, my flat on, on Saturday night. Um, I, I was just desperate to get down and, and get going I think. You know, a lot of people when they leave one role and go into another will take a week or ten days off to to sort themselves out. I just wanted to get going. Um, people that know me know that I'm a wee bit of an emotional person at times, and I had some some really really strong ties at Ross County with people, and I think again to to get my mind away from that, it was important to come in straight away. Um, I do connect. I like to think I connect well with people. I like to think I'm a I'm a personable person. Um, you know, so that, that that was really important for me as well, and and also for my family. You know, I I've not got a partner or kids, but um, my family is a small family, but we're very very close. And I think for them, rather than hanging about for a week and and saying the long goodbyes, just to get down the road and get and get going was the best solution for us all. Well, welcome to the club. Um, I hope you're around, and it's a successful move for you. Uh, and I hopefully, hopefully, you'll be uh, a, a useful addition to this podcast in the future, but also uh, with your expertise in uh, loaning as players for the podcast. Because <laughs> that we, we've got a good history. Derek's been on three times, although... Derek, where's, the, where's the mute button at this point? Yeah, Derek, <laughs> yeah, Derek, Derek doesn't come on with the camera. But he, he watches the three of us, but then he, he stays he stays in the darkened background and just talks to us, the Derek. But if I knew uh, Derek did that, I could have done that myself. So nobody. Ah, yeah. Well, the, the only then thing we I wouldn't think, have seen your tracksuit. Yeah, we wouldn't yeah. have seen your tracksuit. But, but you have to look at this dome. 
Yeah, true <laughs> enough. Yeah, but we're, we're, yeah, it's the same as me. People switch off when they see me, so don't. I won't take it personally. Neither should you. But um, listen, uh, it, it, it's can I just say one thing, um, you know, at this point, I know that, you know, people will at times maybe not understand what, what media and communications works like at a football club. I genuinely mean this when I say this. My door is always open. So, you know, if, if any supporter fan out there ever wants to have a, a conversation or a chat, um, you know, in terms of what the media and communications side looks like, please feel free to trap the door. Um, the the one thing for me with football is football is is the fan sport. The club belongs to the fans. The club doesn't belong to anyone else. So for me, the the most important thing in my role, and I, again I said this in my my press release, was and invariably when when supporters feel feel closer to the football club, football clubs have success. So you know it's imperative in my role, um, along with with Matt and and the other guys that. That we try and bring supporters closer and closer through media and communications to the to their football club, to their club, that that we can then all all enjoy this journey together. So, um, you know, a lot of people would have would have seen uh, my profiles on social media. Don't hesitate to to reach out. Um, I, I'm accessible, uh, and I think it's important that 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 relationship's there as well. Well, that's good. As long as you answer me WhatsApp messages on a Monday and Tuesday, I'm happy. <laughs> 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 it's obviously, you know, it's good to have you on. Uh, we've had we've had the, the previous incumbents of the position on, and they've both uh, they've both realised that this is a useful tool that the club can use. Uh, but also, we remain impartial. We are part of the Shrimps Trust, and the difficult questions such as what's happening with Sab Johal. Who's um, that? Who's that directed at? That's it, you. <laughs> I, I cannot comment any further on the process that is ongoing. Good answer. But you knew I was going to ask. because That's to... fair enough. I was expecting that. What I can say is you can tell from this podcast, anybody who's listening, why Dale was the man we wanted all along. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, And that's not to diss Ryan. Ryan was amazing. Ryan, no, Ryan, Ryan was amazing. He got a job from Man City. But yeah, Dale was, Dale was the man that Charlie and ben, ben wanted all along. And you can all see why. Well, my 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 next thing with Dale is we've had a, I, I can understand he's Scottish, mushy peas maybe not, but bloody hell, get a bit of gravy on it. Come on, <laughs> they're not moist. I'll I'll reserve judgment at this point in time. That's fine. Dale, Dale, where in Scotland are you actually from? Which bit? So I'm originally from. Uh, I was born in Aberdeen, but I was brought up in a, a small village called Brora, which is about an hour north of Inverness. So a lot of people say there's not there's not anything north of Inverness. There's actually two and a half hours north of Inverness. Um, is, yeah. but, you know, it's a fantastic part of the world. I I love my home. Um, you've got some for all any golfers out there. You've got some stunning golf courses. Uh, Brora Golf Course is one of the best links golf courses in the UK. Royal Dornoch is there, which I think is now in the top 10 in the world. Um, I would encourage anyone to, to go and visit Ross County. It's a wonderful family-friendly community club um, in the Premier League. And the, you've obviously got the North Coast 500 as well, which is the, the big two. And it's a sensational part of the world. I, I, in my role at Ross County, I also did our community foundation as well for, for a year. Um, and we cover an area the size of Belgium up there. So, you know, we were doing holiday camps out in, out in Stornoway, Orkney, Shetland, uh, as well as being in Dingwall. So, you know, it, it, for me, it's a stunning part of the world. We were lucky enough to take Sky Sports out to Stornoway with us last summer. Um, and, you know, it was it was, it was was fabulous to, to see the Western Isles showcased in that. But I would encourage anyone that if you're looking for a weekend break, if you're looking for a, a, a maybe a week away staycation, as they call it now, I just still call it a holiday. Um, the, try the north of Scotland because it's a fabulous part of the world. Done it. I've done the North Coast 500 and the North East 250 as well, which was around all the Speyside distilleries. Beautiful part and of the I, world. I don't, I don't drink whiskey, but my missus does. So you can see. Speyside whiskeys are the best. Speyside whiskeys are, in my humble opinion, the best. That's Sally says the same thing. She loves the, the sort of honey and the sweetness of them. But yeah, um, I. I and just as a matter of interest, Dale has introduced uh, there are there are up until today there were three official measurements: size of a double decker bus, size of a football pitch, size of Wales. 
he's brought in size of Belgium. I like that. That's a good one. I'm not sure. How big he also talks about size of tracksuits as well. <laughs> I, I'm now I'm now a marquee for size up from a marquee. <laughs> yes, round of applause. Uh, right, well, uh, we can only finish up. Is there any tr trust business there, Joel? Sorry, I was just a meet. There were some quite loud Man United fans next door. Uh, oh, no, uh, well, I, I've sent I've sent a message into the chat. Uh, I've received a rude message back. <laughs> so I'll take that as a no. <laughs> uh, but obviously, uh, we did have a quiz on Saturday, uh, which which we had a few people coming down to, and well, well done yeah, to shrimps. Chap shrimps, shrimps and friends, yeah, who picked up the uh, the trophy in a, in a closely fought contest. So well done to them. Uh, just again, I think we we are looking to organise something on Good Friday. That's starting to come together now. So uh, there'll be more details on social media once that's all up and running. But yeah, that's all. That's all for this week. Good effort. Well, thank you, Joel. Thank you, James. Good luck, Dale. Uh, there's, there's, uh, you know, I'm sat here thinking what can possibly go wrong. Lancashire Derby at Fleetwood, followed by Bolton at home the Saturday after in a 12.30 kickoff. What can possibly go wrong? So thanks for listening. This has been ShrimpNet 20-something. I can't remember this season. It's 25. 27, 20... I think it might be. Now. 27. Oh, there you go. See, I forget. I keep. I should put a little note on my notes, shouldn't I say what number it is? But there you go. Thanks for listening. Um, you can contact Dale uh, anytime you want because he's uh, the door's always open. Just take him a pie. But don't put peas and gravy on it. James, thank you very much. Lovely to have you back. Um, and I shall now call it Wast Water. Not, not water. <laughs> I sound, obviously sound too posh. Thank you. Yeah, beautiful that. You didn't move the globe, it's still on South America. So uh, thanks for watching, thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week when we'll be discussing what happened against Fleetwood. I'm not giving a tip because I am useless. Good night. Mm -hmm.